Welcome to Tad Dickel's Leadership and Strategy Podcast, bringing you authentic conversations with leaders about their approach to leadership and their organization's strategy for success. Welcome to the Leadership and Strategy Podcast. This is Tad Dickel, the host, and I'm pleased today to introduce our guest, Mr. Wayne Ellis with BeFit. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate that. Tell us about yourself, Wayne. Lifelong resident of Evansville. Uh, went to Wrights High School and then college here locally, and I started my career selling real estate. I sold real estate for almost right about a little over 30 years and had my own real estate company along the way and really, really enjoyed that. And about 23 years ago, I was asked to become a partner in what was then Bob's Gym. I got started in my journey with Bob's Gym 23 years ago as a mostly a passive investor. And then about five years ago, took over the reins and leading the company. So that's where I've been. Very good. Well, uh, we are currently in the new BeFit location on Lynch Road and it is really state of the art. I'm I'm really impressed by everything here, and this is really a a great addition to all the things that Evansville has to offer. So tell us about this new facility. Oh man, it's so exciting! <laughs> I can't tell you. We we worked on this for years, and we started actually before COVID and got shut down. You know, we've been really really fortunate with uh, having a lot of members and a lot of people coming in our facilities. And one thing we want to do is we get a lot of feedback. And the biggest thing we heard as a negative was we didn't have enough space. So that started the process. All right, we need something bigger, better that will allow our members to have more space to work out. So that's why we started this. We felt like there was a need, and so we did it. Great. Well, tell us about some of the features of this location that may be kind of unique compared to other gyms in the region. Yeah, yeah. So it's... For me, it's just, it's so much fun trying to figure out what can we offer that's different and new that people get excited about. A few different things. We brought in a really nice recovery room in this facility that not only had the, the hydro bed massage, but also the human touch massage. And that's something kind of new to Evansville area. We also introduced cryotherapy at a fitness center. We're testing that right now. If that goes well here, we'll roll it out to others. But so far, it's been well received. But Probably the, the two biggest things were we were trying to come up with a couple of different concepts for studios that might draw people in that might be a little bit scared of gyms or be reluctant to you know, try things out. So the first one we did, we called our glute studio. Basically, it's kind of a p- private room where you can get an entire lower body workout in the same room with really, really nice high-end equipment. And that's been just a smashing hit. It's funny, when people talk about studios, that's the name they always remember, the glute studio. So anyway, I don't know why that is, but they like it. <laughs> so uh, the, the other thing was we have a, another studio that has what's a, it's, it's a full line of bio-strength equipment. And we were literally the first gym, commercial gym in North America to bring this line to the market. When you find it, you'll find it all over Europe. You'll find it in country clubs, things like that. But commercial gyms have never done that before. So uh, what BioStrength is, it's like an electronic resistance workout as opposed to typical weights. Long story short, it remembers you, it remembers your settings, it remembers what kind of weight you do, it remembers where your seat's at, it remembers your reach as far as how far out your arms go or your legs, you know, if it's, if it's a leg workout. And the cool thing is, is that it's like 30% more effective than traditional weights. And for someone who's a non-exerciser, it's really easy. You set it up once you're ready to go. But the fascinating thing that we didn't know 
was that the folks that who are lifelong exercisers love it. Our personal trainers are using this, and they've been free weight people their whole lives. So it's kind of it kind of reached across the whole spectrum of people. It's been a been a smashing success for us. That's awesome. For the listeners, uh, Wayne was showing me this room earlier, and looks like sophisticated equipment that probably gives you a better workout than anything else you could compare it to. So that's exciting. It, it does. Well, so you had said that you'd started out in real estate, then you became involved with what was then Bob's Gym, and then you've moved now into this, this leadership role as CEO of, of BeFit. And uh, I know you don't like the title CEO, but that probably technically is your role, the best descriptor. Tell us kind of about your approach to leadership now that you're running this company that has it's four different locations. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. All right. So tell us kind of how you approach leadership. Yeah, great question. Thanks for asking. I, I think that, you know, there's, there's a few different ways to approach leadership. And here at the gym, we typically approach it kind of a bottom-up type of leadership, okay? We want to take ideas from members from employees, okay, and raise those ideas up to the management level, and then we figure out how to implement them. So as opposed to being authoritarian, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're just trying to listen to what people have to say, and then, all right, how do we best implement this? So really listening to the members and listening to employees, too? That's correct. Okay, yes. very good. Like, what do you think has kind of influenced how you approach leadership? So, you know, many of us grew up in organizations and companies that had, like you said, more of an authoritarian approach, maybe a top-down leadership approach. But what kind of influenced that uh, approach for you? You know, I think when I go back to my first boss, my first job in real estate was a gentleman named Steve Thompson. And Steve was an exceptional leader. You know, I just think back to how he handled and worked with us. And he never came up to me and said, Wayne, you got to do this. He said, Wayne, what can you do to make yourself better? And that just always stuck with me. And I always felt like that's, that's much better leadership than telling people how they have to do something. Now, I'm not saying that we don't work with people who are trying to, you know, might have a fault or two, but, you know, it's a lot better if the ideas come through them than if you say, this is how it has to be. Sure. Now, tell me then, you started with one location, now you're up to four how has that changed your leadership and how you spend time? So when, when I took over leadership, we, we had four locations already. So that's, that part's kind of the same. Okay. Um, I think with us that one of the first things we did when, when I did take over leadership was we did an employee survey. And we wanted to find out from the employees, what are we doing well and what are we not doing well? And uh, the thing we found out was that they were not shy about sharing what we weren't doing well. <laughs> so we found out right away we had a lot of things to work on. But the number one thing on the list was communication. They felt like they were not being communicated with. Because if you're at one location and you cannot replicate the communication, the one-on-one communication, people are at the other locations. So we had to figure out how do we make this happen? So we started looking for products where we could have like kind of an internet type setting here at the gym. After looking at a few and, and trying them out, we decided on Basecamp. And uh, Basecamp's just been like a secret sauce for us because it's kind of like it gives you all the, the uh, social connections that a Facebook has, but also allows you to get out content and information what's going on with the company so people are up to date on things. And it just kind of develops that community within the company. 
So um, I guess that's an example of one thing we've we've had to work on that uh, that has gone really well. Right, and I think that's a a challenge for a lot of companies that have multiple locations. You know, how do we handle communication? In my work in leadership as a as a consultant, probably in the top three biggest complaints for most companies, you know, they're they're dealing with communication issues. How do they communicate better? And I think it's something that companies and leaders have to figure out how to be really intentional about. Yeah. What's interesting, when we did our last survey or employee survey, um, you know, they track keywords in the in the survey and communication was listed like 17 times and every single instance was good communication. And whereas our number one bad thing before. Okay. So, it, you know, but it's, to me, it's like a challenge when you have a problem with an organization, it isn't going well. It's like, how do you take that and make it better? So I just love that about business. You can leave your mark on something, right? But then it's like, it's really not you at that point in time. It's the employees taking it to where they want to take it. I, can I give you an example of that sure. real quick? There's an uh, elderly lady in the club, right? And it's raining. So one of the employees grabs an umbrella walks her out to her car, gets her in her car, you know, so she doesn't get wet, okay? You know, five years ago, nobody knows about that except the people at that location at the front desk. You know, now that whole thing goes out on base camp. That employee is getting praise from everybody within the company for all locations, you know, about what a wonderful job he did. And it just encourages that employees or all the employees to, all right, how do I model after that? So it just, it just takes the whole company dynamics to a whole other level. That's a that's a great story, and I think for that person, that member that who has helped, that's something that they will remember. I remember in the early days of COVID, I ordered food at a at a place, and it was an online order. I went to pick it up, and it was it was forty five minutes beyond the time that they said it was going to be ready, and there was no apology. There was nothing. Nobody said sorry. Nobody offered any kind of coupon for another meal or something like that. And it was kind of a disappointing experience. And then I had a situation with another uh, restaurant where I ordered, and they forgot to give me one of the food items. And so I got almost home, and I get a call from the company, and they said, hey, we forgot to give you this food item. I thought, wow, that person really like took time to reach out and to say that that was that they were sorry, and they took it off my bill, that, and that was great. And so I, that's a even when you mess up, sometimes you you can make up for that and create that personal connection and that that memory with somebody. I love I love how you mentioned that when you first took over that you had a had a lot of complaints yes, that you were dealing absolutely. with as a as a company from employees. And I think sometimes leaders we want to almost ignore the complaints. And, and we think about people, oh, all they want to do is complain. But um, I, I like that you said, hey, this is really an opportunity. And what's neat, too, is that people felt comfortable sharing those complaints, too, because I've sometimes worked with companies where people complain, and then there's, there are consequences for, for complaining like that. Yeah. Well, and technically, the survey was anonymous. We had a third-party company do it, so I didn't know who was saying what. So that let them speak their minds a little bit more free than if it was just me saying, tell me what you think. Sure, <laughs> so, sure. So, so that, that does work out a little bit better. Sure. But, but I think even asking, people appreciate yes, being they do. asked. And I like how your approach was to say, hey, we have problems or opportunities, and how do we, how do we fix them? What are the priorities for moving forward? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 
How would you describe like the culture of the company? So for the people that work here, what, what kind of environment do you try to create for them? One word, family. We, we just did a video where the employees were allowed to share what they think about working here. And um, it's actually on our website at b.fit. It's interesting because the word we heard over and over and over again was family. And the, the video is, they weren't filmed all in one setting. Nobody had any idea what anyone else was saying, but rarely anybody didn't mention family. So that makes me feel good about coming to work and knowing people feel that strongly about where they work. That's great. I, I think for many companies, like, or even like a civic organization or a church, like, if somebody can describe it as a family, then you've achieved something and you've developed a culture that people want to be part of. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's awesome. Many companies are struggling to recruit and retain employees. What has been your experience here and what are you doing in those areas to ensure you, you're able to attract quality employees and retain them? I guess when, it, when you're talking about retaining employees, it all starts with the things we've already talked about with creating the culture where they, they feel like they're appreciated, they feel like the family. And it goes on beyond that. It, it's also, does their, does their job have a purpose to it? You know, do they feel appreciated by the members as well as the staff? You know, and, and also, can you create that community? I, I think that, you know, it's, if people are happy coming to work, they're more likely to stay. So to be honest with you, with our full-time staff, we have very little turnover. I mean, hardly any. We lost one director this past year that her husband moved to Iowa and we couldn't, we hated losing her. She didn't want to go. But we just, I, th- I feel like we've created a situation where a lot of people aren't leaving very often. So, so that's good. As far as attracting people to our, our, our facility, a lot of our folks here were actually referred by someone who already works here. So, um, you know, we've, we've done a great job in bringing people in that we already know in some capacity. And then the other thing that I think works well is that we try to promote from within. You know, we only go outside the, you know, outside our family here if we don't have anybody on staff that can do it or somebody's not interested in the job. But we try to always promote from within if we can. That's great. I want to touch on a few points that you mentioned. You had talked about purpose, and I think that's an important thing for organizations to think about. You know, what, what purpose do we serve besides just making money. Because I think if the only reason people come to work is to make money, usually they're not going to be as motivated or engaged. So what do you, how would you describe your purpose? So we have, a, we have a competitive advantage on other businesses because fitness is definitely missional. A lot of the people who work here are very passionate about fitness. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. And um, so they can see that they're making differences in people's lives. So one thing we do that we're very intentional about is we share stories of members who have dropped weight, who have increased muscle, who feel better, who are, who are even like mentally in a better spot because of working out and fitness. And we're constantly talking about those stories. So the folks that work here can see that, yes, I can definitely see exactly we're making a difference, you know, because they know the names of the people whose lives are better through this. So I think that part of it's just the industry we're in is a great industry because of the impact it does make in people. There's really nothing negative about fitness. Right, right. That's, that's great to hear because I think there is such a connection between physical health and mental health, and uh, it really can improve the 
overall quality of your life. The other point I wanted to mention was that it's interesting to hear somebody talk about how employees at their company recommend working to uh, to their friends and family. And if you think about, sometimes we talk about like a net promoter score. And so I think it's a good question for all of our, for leaders to ask, you know, how likely is it the employees in our company would recommend working here to their friends and family? And if they're highly likely to recommend it to their friends and family, then we've probably created a culture and an, or, and a, an environment that people really like working in and is a, a good place to go. And if they're not w- very likely to recommend, then I think it's important to ask why. And, and so I think that's, that's a really great point for, for all leaders and organizations to reflect on. Yeah, net promoter score from your employees is a very important thing to have done. They have different baselines for different industries, and uh, that is something we have tracked, and you know it's it's extremely important. Just the score doesn't mean much unless you have how it how you relate compared to the other people in your own industry. Sure, well, and that's that's probably really interesting to compare too how you compare in your industry because industry to industry is going to be different. It is. I imagine one of the challenges as a as a gym owner is members that don't that pay every month, but don't show up. And uh, it'd be kind of curious if that's an issue for you and, and what you do as, a, as an owner to address that challenge. Because probably some people pay and over time they don't use their membership, so they end up dropping it. Um, is that a challenge for you? And, and what have you done about it? Oh, 100%. I'll run into people out in the street and they say, I'm your best member. I pay and I don't come in. I say, you're not our best member. We want people coming into the gym. We really do. So one of the things that uh, we just started piloting last October, we were kind of given the opportunity to be part of this, this nationwide program that our financial company called ABC Financial has rolled out. And the interesting thing about this is they were looking for ways to engage with people who are not using the gym and how do we get them into the gym. So we started this, a three-month program, October, November, and December. And uh, what they did was they identified groups of people who were most likely to leave the gym or quit their membership. And uh, they put half the people into one group that we, that we worked and the other half into a con- control group that we did not work, okay? So basically, you're just splitting the people up evenly and you're marking the half and not the other half. And uh, so through, through this program, we were, we were calling and reaching out to the members that showed signs that they may be quitting. And that, that involves like changes in, in patterns or whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, this was all determined through artificial intelligence. So um, at the end of the day, when we got through this, and the first three months through December, we were able to compare how do we do in our group that we marketed to versus the group, the control group we didn't. And it was amazing the difference. It was like we, we had over 90% more engagement with the group that we're reaching out to versus the group we did not. And uh, that translates into saving memberships. You know, one of our clubs, our Northside Club, was 160% more engagement. Phenomenal. Just off, of, just off of phone calls and sending some messages to them. And not only are they staying members, but they're starting to use the gym more. Yeah. And, and you know, statistically, if someone comes in gym once a week, they don't drop their membership. Mm-hmm. So that's a win-win for everybody. It is. Absolutely. That's awesome. 
As you decided to build this location, what would you say has kind of been your strategy for growth as a as a company? Has it been to just continue to add more locations or is it to kind of organically grow at your existing locations? Tell us about your growth strategy. Oh, great question. Well, first of all, we do want to grow the business. You know, our opportunities within Evansville are pretty well maxed out at this point in time. We spent four years, roughly, visiting other gyms, other cities, other locations, all across, everywhere we go. I mean, I probably toured 75 to 100 gyms in the last three years to find out what they do well, what they don't do well. I take pictures of every little detail in their facilities and uh, just trying to find out, all right, how do we put all this together in a package that's exceptional? We built this east side facility, and yes, it's going to do great in Evans, we believe, but also it's almost like a proof of concept. Is this something we can take somewhere else, and will it be well-received? So, yes, we do have plans on growing the business outside of the area. Mm-hmm. Very good, and I'm sure that I'm sure you've already learned some lessons along the way. We've learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you design a new facility, there there are a lot of lessons learned. But you uh, did a lot of things extremely well. As I just take a look at this uh, beautiful facility. Well, thank you. You also mentioned that you are trying to, when you're trying to fill a position, you are you're looking internally. What kinds of opportunities have you provided for your employees in terms of development or how do you develop people? So a few different ways. One thing we do is like with our assistant managers, a lot of them have the uh, desire to become a general manager eventually. So we spend time with them monthly at a, um, it's, it's basically a course we run each month where you different, bring different people in the community to speak to them about different issues like this last month, we had a policeman basically talk about, you know, security issues at the gym and how to handle them safely, which is very important today. But, the, you know, a lot of them are personal development, sales, management, you know, all sorts of things like that. We want to get people in different roles here. If someone indicates a uh, desire to move up the chain here, then uh, we're very intentional about spending time with that person, investing in them and helping them accomplish whatever it is they want to accomplish. And if they have things where they're, they're lacking and they need help in, then we want, to help, we want to identify those things and help them through them so they are given opportunities later on. That's great. It sounds like you're, you're very intentional about providing those opportunities and, and thinking about how do, I, how do I retain this employee but maybe move them into a, a role that interests them more or better suits them based on their skills or something that over time they've developed into – a role beyond what they're currently serving in. Yeah, that's right. And, and not all of our employees want to move up, and that's fine. It's no problem at all. We, we want them to be, we want to meet them where they're at in life right now. And if their goal is to move up, we want to help them. If it's not, that is great. We appreciate them being here in the meantime. Right, right. I think that's important to note because sometimes people find a role and they're extremely satisfied in that role. And we need people that want to stay in roles for for an extended period of time. And um, sometimes we probably focus too much on those that want to rise up the ladder. And so if we can focus on both, we're going to be better off. What are you most proud of as a leader? Well, that, that would, I mean, that would definitely start with the team we have here. I mean, it's 100% the team. 
I've already spoken to it before, but the camaraderie and the, the, how much people care here, you know, when you're a business owner, you're confronted with making a lot of decisions. Okay. And we kind of have a, a lens that we view everything through. And when we have to make a difficult decision, we always look at three things. How does it affect the member? How does it affect the employee? And how does it affect the company? And a lot of those, you know, some of the decisions are real easy because, you know, the answer is true with all of them, okay? But um, that isn't always the case. So when you get in these tough decisions as an owner, you got to make, and you look at through all those lens. I ask people a lot of times, you know, what is the most important one of the three, okay? And a lot of folks would default to the member because that's your customer, Right. But I probably give a little bit of pushback on that, and I would share that it's really the employee because no matter what we think as an organization, or no matter how good we want to be, if the employees aren't 100% in on whatever you're trying to accomplish, it doesn't happen. So we look at it first, how does it affect the employee? And if we can center all of our decisions around you know, great decisions for the employees, everything else seems to fall in place a little bit easier for us. Sure. I like that lens, the, the, the way you describe it, the three lenses. So we have the employee, we have the customer, we have the company and figuring out what's best for all three. And it's, it's complex. There's, you know, it's not black and white always. And I've definitely talked to leaders who will have the attitude that the customer is always right. And, and in many instances, we want that customer to feel like they are right. But sometimes we do things at the expense of employees, which then often has a negative impact on the customer experience. And so it's, I, I was like asking that question, you know, which one is more important? Yeah. I can kind of give an example of that if that's okay. Sure. One of the things that we've had, you know, over the past year we've dealt with was a lot of members at our Newburgh facility. I mean, it, it is it is packed in there. And uh, we've actually lost a few members to other places because we didn't have room for them to work out. And that's an issue, right? Anyways, we have this really nice basketball court up in Newburgh. So we are looking at it like, what do we do with this? We got, I was up there a couple months ago and it's 4.30 in the evening. There's 41 people in the workout floor and one person playing basketball. And it's like, I got all this space. But when you start looking at what do we do with the space? Can we convert this over into fitness area. Okay. So we look at how does it affect the member? Well, some members are going to be really mad at us. Other members are going to be really happy we do it. Right. So it's, it's really hard to make that decision just based on the member. Okay. We look at the business. We are definitely going to lose some people who like to play basketball. They're not going to be happy with us and they may leave the gym. You know, I don't know how many it's going to be, hopefully not too many, but then we also know that other people are going to stay, keep their membership with us and others will come back to us because now we have more space. So it's kind of a mixed bag, right? When we look at how's it affect the employee, 100% of our employees wanted to do this. I mean, they were passionate about doing this. So when you look at it like that, and I believe, I believe in them. And so we did it. So we are starting remodeling week after next, where we're shutting down our basketball court area and, and making a huge fitness floor out of it. It's going to be spectacular. but. It's not a clear decision, and there is, a, there is some risk with it, and, um, but we are taking the leap and trusting it's going to be a great decision. Great. Well, that, uh, that sounds like a complex 
problem to to work through, but it sounds like if you have that employee buy-in and employee support, they're probably going to speak positively about it in the community, and hopefully you won't have too much uh, fallout from members, too. One of our trainers this morning, she goes, Wayne, if you have any negative feedback, point them my way. I'll talk to them. I'll take all the heat for this. <laughs> I just laughed. I thought that was great. But anyways, we've had, we've really had very little negative feedback so far. Great. It's been positive. Very good. What would you say is your most important role as, as leader or CEO? Yeah. So I basically do three things. Okay. I work on the financial part of the business, make sure that's all going well. That's of utmost importance. I work on vision, where do we go next? And then the third thing is I work with the team. Everything else is, you know, someone else takes care of everything else around the business. Very good. Are there any setbacks that you've experienced that have influenced your leadership or lessons you've learned that have helped you grow stronger as a leader? I think I've made every mistake in the book. So (laughs) yeah, there's lots of them, but this is a short podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I, honestly, I, I just life lessons all along the way. You know, a lot of them were in the financial part, um, just making mistakes in my life financially, you know, where you learn, I'm not going to do that again. And um, so you, you take all that along with the, you know, the things you learn with team building along the way and just apply it all, you know, and hopefully you get better over time and, and the business does better over time. So yeah, there, there's there's honestly been a lot of things that, you know, one hundred percent we've 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 uh, learned from and improved upon. Right, and I think as a leader, it is a constant learning process. We're constantly making mistakes. We have to learn from them, or really, we have the choice to learn from them, or to allow that failure to define us. And so sometimes when we we think of leaders, we think, wow, they've done everything right, but if you have a conversation just like this today, you realize, you know, there have been setbacks and there have been mistakes along the way. And part of being a good leader is being resilient uh, during those setbacks. Speaking of resiliency, I'm kind of curious, what was your experience during the pandemic? Because I imagine you had to close for a while or what what happened with the the gyms during that time? The the, the stress was just, you can't describe it, how much stress, you know, you have this business that's doing well and you have all these employees working for you. They're depending upon you for their livelihoods. And all of a sudden you're being told that you have to close. You know, we literally closed on just a couple of days notice. You know, you, you, there's nothing in life that prepares you for closing a successful business. You know, we, we closed it up. We called all the employees together and at that moment in time, we made a commitment to pay them, you know, through X amount of time. I said, I, you know, if we're closed a year from now, I can't keep paying you. But, you know, if it's within this time frame, yes, we can pay you and, you know, we're with you. And it, it was hard, you know, looking back on it, we had to make a lot of tough decisions. What does a facility look like when you walk back into it and we do reopen? You know, what do we, you know, can we keep the team together? Is just, you know, just a lot of, lot of hard decisions. And looking back on it, I felt like that our, our leadership team here, we got together and talked through every decision just at length, came to making some pretty good decisions with the business. And, you know, even when we reopened, we knew we weren't going to get everybody back. And, and to this day, honestly, the folks that are, you know, 
over 50, a lot of them never came back that were long-term members. They've just either started working at home or just given up in their fitness journey, which is, which is disappointing. But when we opened back up, a whole new base of members started coming in. We weren't expecting. The kids started coming in. People in that 18 to 29-year-old age bracket just started flooding through the doors. So created a lot of great things through the challenges we had. But to, but to answer your question, it was hard. <laughs> That's all I can say. It was hard. Right. You're seeing then a younger demographic that you're serving now. I mean, when I was looking out on the on the floor, I, I saw people of all ages. But I'd be curious, how does serving that younger demographic change from maybe if before you had more people 50 and older? Yeah. So what happens is, is they use different equipment. So before COVID, um, at 4.30 in the evenings, our treadmills were full, our ellipticals were full. You know, the, the, any piece of cardio was taking our fitness centers. And post-COVID, they aren't full anymore. What's full is the free weight area. People want dumbbells. They want, they want barbells. Uh, they want benches. So we've had to completely change our facilities and create more space, more benches, more free weights for people to use. It's not just the young guys doing the free weights. The young gals are doing them too now. we got to better be able to serve our members. So that means you have to rework what you already have to accommodate more people in those areas. Right. What does the future look like for BeFit? Um, good question. You know, the goal is to continue to develop our bench here. Uh, you can't go anywhere else unless you have great people in place to take our culture to another area. So that's what we're working on right now. We're working on our culture. We're working on our base here. We're trying to develop that bench even further, get people in place to where they're ready to relocate and take what we've started here to different cities. As soon as we get a little bit further along with this new east side facility, we're going to start looking in other areas, and we've already identified a few locations that uh, we're interested in moving into. That's exciting. Yes. Well, well, congratulations on your success. How can people find out more about BeFit? Our website's just the letter B dot fit. It's not a dot com address, a dot fit address. So just B dot fit. There's information if somebody's interested in part-time job, full-time job, it's there. Membership information's there. And or if you want to engage with us on social media, we're on all the platforms and love to hear from you. Great. Well, Wayne, thank you for taking time on the uh, Leadership and Strategy podcast. It's been great learning about your background, your journey as a leader, and all the exciting growth and changes at BeFit. So thank you. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. To learn more about Dr. Tad Dickel and the T.A. Dickel Group, please visit T.A. Dickel.com. Thank you for joining us.